0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Happy Feast of the Pentecost. As we know, we celebrate today the Feast of the Pentecost, which is the coming down of the Holy Spirit upon the uh, the disciples in the upper room, and all the believers that were gathered together in the upper room. And today marks the beginning of the establishment of the church. And actually, uh, Christ, when he was still on the earth, he spoke to the disciples uh, about the coming of the Holy Spirit upon them, And he said, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So we read that the Holy Spirit is what is testifying of Christ. The Holy Spirit is what speaks the truth about God and expresses it to us. And and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we also are called to bear witness why it says here and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the, the beginning so when the apostles began their ministry on the earth they went throughout all of the world and they began to bear witness of everything that they had experienced and seen and saw in christ and they did so with the help of the holy spirit working on in them We also see how on the very first day, the Pentecost day, that immediately after the receiving of the Holy Spirit, St. Peter goes out and he preaches a sermon where 3,000 people are converted. And this is him bearing witness. This is the work of the Holy Spirit working in him to bear witness of the truth and the good news. And actually, when we read through the sermon that St. Peter gave, it's actually a very good model for us. of how we also should be bearing witness. How is it that I should bear witness to Christ in the world? How should I share the the Orthodox faith in the world? How do I evangelize to other people? Actually, we're going to read through his sermon briefly, and we're going to go through it and understand a very good model and structure for how is it that we should bear witness, just as Christ said that we should do after receiving the Holy Spirit. So we start reading in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. It says, Men of Israel, Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you. When he's speaking to the people, he's, he's, he's indicating that Jesus Christ is a man. He is a man and he lived as any man, fully man, living in the world. And he has a name and actually he was a historical figure. So people knew who he was talking about, right? He, he lived a fully human life. And because he was fully human, he was able to offer us salvation, being also God. He was God and human at the same time. So, so he pointed to a person that they had already known, that they already heard of, that they had already seen. Then he goes on and he says, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. So, so now he's indicating the divine aspect of Christ. So first, he's speaking about that he is a man attested by God to you, and then he says, but look at all the things that he was doing. He did miracles, wonders, signs, and which God did through him, and you yourselves have seen it, right? He did more than any human could do, and, and everyone acknowledges this. Everyone saw the miracles that Christ did, even the Pharisees, even his enemies. They all saw, and they could not find any explanation for all of the miracles that he did. So no one questioned the miracles themselves, but they still did not accept him or believe him. They accused him of performing his miracles through the demons or through other means, but they nobody argued that he didn't actually do the things that that we read about in the scripture that he did. So not only was he human, but he was also divine. There's something about him uh, different than other human beings. And then he goes on in verse 23, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death. So he says, What that the death that he died, which again was commonly known. No one, no one you know, in that region hadn't heard of Jesus of Nazareth and how that he had been crucified. So he's saying what the death that he died was not something against his will, but something that he allowed himself to endure and to go through by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. He actually submitted to this because one of the big stumbling blocks among the Jews believing that Christ that Jesus is the Messiah is how is it if this man is the Messiah that he could be bound by humans and be crucified and be killed So to answer this he's saying what this was not you did not overpower him You did not you did not take him by force as a prisoner. You did not force him against his will to be crucified he actually allowed and submitted this for a greater purpose than then why is it that, that you think that this happened, right? So again, we see this, 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 this step by step. He says, first he is a man, then we see that he is a God. So if he is God, how is it that he was crucified? He was crucified by his own will for a greater purpose. Maybe you don't understand what that purpose is, but there is a greater purpose to why is it that he allowed himself to be crucified, okay? We know that the Jews handed him to the Romans to be crucified because they were jealous of him. But Christ, he did this willingly. He did this because he wanted and this was the means of salvation for all mankind. Then St. Peter goes on and he says, Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So not only was he crucified, but then he was also resurrected. While those who look at the crucifixion might argue and say, how is it that he can be God if he is subjected to death and he is taken as a prisoner and crucified but then he goes on to say but look because he is gone he resurrected he he raised up having loosed the pains of death death which is the greatest foe death which is the enemy that no human had ever conquered and no one was able to escape christ escaped it christ conquered it christ destroyed it death did not contain him because he is the author of life this is again the bearing of witness right this is what we said in at the beginning that when the holy spirit comes he will testify of me and you also will bear witness this is why this sermon that saint peter is preaching is is this way because he is bearing witness of christ and again when we are speaking to other people about our faith this is what we should be speaking about right this is this is this is who christ was he was a human and he was also god and he was crucified and resurrected for our salvation he goes on and says what not only was he resurrected, but he actually fulfilled the prophecy. These prophecies that were written in the Old Testament, this was the entire scripture of the Jews. This is this is what the Jews read. This is what they understood. This is what they transcribed. This is what they read in the synagogues. This is in every way the Jews were very, very familiar with the Old Testament prophecies and with all, with all the prophets. So when St. Peter is appealing to them and he's saying, look at the way that, Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, fulfilled all of the prophecies that we read about in the scripture. And how can you deny? It says in verse 25, For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. So he's saying what? He's speaking actually about how Christ descended into Hades. Now, we, after the resurrection, Christ re- descended into Hades, and he, 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 he brought up all of the souls of those who were righteous that had been imprisoned in Hades since the early days because there was no reconciliation with the Father. Christ is coming as the one who is freeing them from the, bounds of the, the bonds of the devil and, and raising them up to paradise. So he was the fulfillment of prophecy, right? Thousands of years of prophecy pointed to this. And one of the really amazing and unique things about the Bible is that it is written over such a long period of time by so many different authors. It was written by 40 different authors over a period of 1600 years. And yet if you read the prophecies that were written thousands of years before, you find that these same prophets and prophecies have the same message and are pointing to the same person as other people write hundreds of years after that and finally is all fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. So when we look at even just the, the, the amount of evidence just in the, in the Bible itself, of how much self-consistency there is in the Bible. We don't have a scripture that was written by one person in secret that comes out and says, hey, this is the scripture, this God gave me the scripture, so we should all believe it and follow it. No, it's very easy for someone to fabricate such a thing. But we have a scripture that was written over such a long period of time by so many different people. And how is it that would be possible to fabricate such a document or to invent the prophecies that were written to somehow fit the, the narrative of what is it that happened? That's not the case. These Jews had been reading these scriptures and waiting for the coming of the Messiah for millennia. And now here is this man who fulfilled all of the prophecies. Then we see that after the life of Christ, we see that Christ sent the Holy Spirit. Christ in the flesh was not with them anymore, but he sent a helper, the Holy Spirit, to dwell and to be with his people. It says, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. This is now the, the, the kind of the bottom line of this sermon. When they saw all these people speaking in tongues, when they saw all these people like doing these things, they're like, what is going on? We don't understand. Are these people drunk? Why? What are they saying? Okay. So St. Peter is explaining what is it that you are seeing? You are seeing that the coming of the Holy Spirit, whom Christ promised... And who said to us that he would send the holy spirit these are the effects this is what you are seeing now that god is uh, allowing this work to be done in us he is the one who sent the holy spirit to dwell in us and to enable us to do the works of god you know god asks us to do many things and we we look at maybe the commands of god and we ask how is it that i can do all these things that god has commanded? that god has set such a high standard for us and yet the answer is through the work of the holy spirit god himself is enabling us to do according to his will if we turn to him if we ask him to help us and we struggle to reach this through his help we can uh we can achieve it so this is kind of the model right we start out with christ as a human and he was also divine and 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 we look at his life and everything that he did we see that he was he died he was resurrected uh, we see that he was the fulfillment of prophecy, and we see that he sent us the Holy Spirit. So now after St. Peter preached this message of everything that was, you know, about the life of Christ from the beginning to the end, he now starts to speak about, well, what is our responsibility now having known that this is true? Having known that this is now like the reality of what's happened, what is it that I should do? And he first speaks about Repentance. He says, now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and, saint, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Right? So he, they're saying, okay, well, we believe what you're saying, but we don't know what to do. What is it that we should do now based on this new knowledge that we have, this understanding that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was the Messiah and he came and he is God? Okay? And it says what? Then Peter said to them, repent. This is the first step that he told them to do, to repent. You know, now knowing the truth, I repent. And this is the most important thing. You know, we maybe we attend liturgies and listen to sermons a lot and attend Bible studies and so on. And in all of these messages and all of these th- events that we attend, there is really the one central message, which is to repent. To accept what is it that God is speaking to us, to submit to his will, to, to change course and to have hope and faith in him that he is kind of our sufficiency, that he is everything that is good and that we should leave sin behind. And and when we receive these messages, really, what, what is it that we are going to do with these messages? That is the most important thing. And then the next thing he told them is what? And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This baptism is a true act, like a true sacramental act that we are doing to receive the the kind of the to put on christ to to die and to be resurrected with christ just as christ died on the cross and was resurrected again in baptism i allow god to wash away my sins and i make a commitment to submit to his will baptism is an action you know sometimes when we when we say that i'm repenting and i repent sometimes maybe all that is is just kind of a feeling i have inside of myself like i feel sad or regret but what is the the action that i take based on that feeling what is, that, what is this, the, the like real world steps that I make based on that feeling that I have inside of me, which is like regret or feeling like I'm astray or doing something I shouldn't be doing? What is the response, right? And here baptism is the response. He's saying, don't just repent and that's it. Repent and be baptized. Repent and do some spiritual work, right? And then he says what? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? So if you want the ble- this blessing, if you want to be like those whom, whom you saw speaking in tongues, if you want to be like those who are you know, partakers of the divine nature, if you want to be like those who are in union with God and working with him, then repent, be baptized, and then you will receive the Holy Spirit and the Spirit, the Spirit will work with you. But one important thing to understand about this is that the Holy Spirit gives, but the Holy Spirit also asks of us. Right? The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us consolation. The Holy Spirit directs. The Holy Spirit guides. All of these things. But the Holy Spirit also asks us. It convicts us. He convicts us of sin. He says, you are living in a certain way, and I want you to change this way. I want you to go a different direction. And then he says, will you do it? Are you going to do this? Are you going to accept to change the direction in your life? Or are you going to continue walking in the same direction that you have been used to? So receiving the Holy Spirit is both a gift and a blessing, but it is also a responsibility that we are being asked to use the Holy Spirit to to walk in a new path, in a new direction in our life. And God is calling all of us to this because he goes on in verse 39, and he says, For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Seeing this, this is a promise to all people. This promise of the Holy Spirit to be a guide, to be a comfort, to be a help for the work of salvation is a promise for everyone. But that doesn't mean that everyone is going to accept this gift. doesn't mean that everyone is going to work with It doesn't mean that everyone wants the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. We don't just look to the Holy Spirit to give us the blessings that we seek. But we, we, we looked at the Holy Spirit to be a Lord over us, to, to be a master over us, to submit to the will of God and not simply to use the Holy Spirit as like a tool to get what it is that we want. Also, this promise of the Holy Spirit was given to everyone regardless of their wickedness, regardless of their sin, regardless of whatever way of life that they have. God is calling all of us to lead a new life. God is calling all of us to repentance. God is calling all of us to change. And this is what we should be thinking about when it comes to coming to church. Coming to church is about receiving the the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit through the sacraments and to having God to work with us so that we change, so that we transform, so we become something new, something different, something not like we were yesterday or like we were last year or like we were five years ago, but we are bearing witness of the truth that we ourselves have received and have heard and are applying in our life. Because to bear witness is one thing to bear witness with words but there's another thing to bear witness with our actions with the way that we speak with the way that we live that other people can see and they are convicted of their lifestyle and the way that they are living simply by watching us so today we spoke about that the coming of the holy spirit bears witness and testifies to the truth of christ the word of god and how we also are called to bear witness just as the apostles bore witness And we see this very nice example of St. Peter's sermon of how he bore witness. He spoke about 1st. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth as a real human being that lived on the earth. He spoke about him being divine and performing miracles and wonders. And then he spoke about his crucifixion. And he said this crucifixion was not against his will. It was not because he was a victim. It was not because, you know, he was overpowered, but it was something that he allowed for a greater purpose, a greater design of salvation that he intended for all people. But death was not able to hold him so he, was, he resurrected from the dead by his own power. Even having died, he still had power because he is God and he is the author of life. And after this resurrection, he sent to us the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is what is working with us even today to live according to his will and in the way that he wants. How is it that we should respond to this gift? We should respond in repentance. We should respond in baptism and we should work with the Holy Spirit and according to this call that God is giving to all of us to be his children, to work with him, to, to, to live according to his commandments and to enjoy his presence and all of the gifts that he wants to offer to us. So this is the bearing witness. This is how St. Peter bore witness. This is the content really of all of the sermons that uh, St. Paul would give to the people to repent and to change and to believe in God. And this is also the way that we are called to bear witness to our neighbors today. So may God grant us this zeal and desire of wanting to bear witness to his name just the way that the early church did so that the church would grow and spread and be magnified. And glory be to God forever. Amen.